First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome in episode 192, What's Right with Nick Wright. Starting promptly and on time. Great job by our tech staff today, making sure we didn't have to deal with some of those tech things we dealt with on Tuesday. Apologies again for that. In fact, we're on time. I forgot to tweet out the link. Now I've done it. Thanks to Jake and Victor and Daniel and everyone making sure that happened. Ton to do today. I was at MSG last night. I went there to watch Wimby. Instead, I just watched how terrible the Spurs are. We'll discuss that in a moment. We have our gambling show. One of the two of us is coming off not only a winning week, but what really could have been, should have been, would have been a 5-0 and week. The other one is on the third longest teaser losing streak in recorded sports media history. I'll let you guys guess who's who, but we will discuss later in the show. All right, here's what missed the cut for today's show. Kyler Murray set to return with a question about that. Carson Wentz signs with the Rams and the Nets fans boo Harden at Barclays. Demonze, I actually want to talk about Kyler coming back for the Cardinals for just a moment. Because what, 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 what are you, what are you all gotting? I'm getting it, by the way. Are you going to say something about the Call of Duty that's coming out Friday? Oh, no, I didn't even know. There's a Call of Duty coming out on Friday? There's a Call of Duty that comes out this Friday. Yeah. Uh. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) What a bad beat for Kyler. Comes out right when he's got to go back to work. No, I didn't know. I did not know that, but that's hilarious. Here's what I was going to say. Um, so he, Jonathan Gannon, if he can, he's the coach of the Cardinals, rookie head coach. If he can thread the following needle, then I think maybe he should get coach of the year consideration. And then what they are, and this is what I mean. Jonathan Gannon, the Cardinals obviously had a plan going into this year. Be terrible, draft Caleb Williams. And that's the plan. And also, by the way, have the Texans draft pick, and the Texans are better than we expected, to draft another guy, and then hopefully get another good draft pick for Kyler Murray. Now, because he's a new coach, I don't think he wanted to come in and immediately have it be like, this team has no hope, they got no chance. So they beat the Cowboys in week three, throw everyone off the tanking scent, and now all of a sudden we wake up in week 10 and they're like, wait, they haven't won since then. So now what the Cardinals need to do is bring Kyler back, have him play well enough 
that he is worth a first-round pick to someone while maintaining the number one pick. So they need to have their quarterback play pretty well and look healthy, not win any games. And if they do that, they are set up beautifully for the future and all believe that all believe in Jonathan Gannon despite his odd who took the bus press conference. I'm very interested, and I'm interested if Kyler comes back, looks great, or looks good even, and they end up with the third pick, and then it's like, do you pivot entirely, and instead of going quarterback, stick with Kyler, draft Marvin Harrison Jr., and go from there. It's a very fascinating situation in Arizona, so a quick little take there on what missed the cut. Now let's get into the show, Demonze. All right, so you were really low on Wimby at one point, and it seemed like the season oh, okay. started Okay, I'm up. not – hold on. <laughs> See, you can't start the show off with lies. I thought that folks putting his floor at Akeem Olajuwon was maybe going to be a little too much pressure on the 19-year-old French kid. I was never low on Wimby. I just wasn't as astronomically high as others. Now go ahead. One might argue that's kind of low, but uh, well. So, in reference, sure. In, in comparison to others, sure. Go ahead. Yeah. So you went to the game last night, and he did really poorly. Did seeing him in person and put up that performance uh, give you a different type of perspective on him, or are you still at the same? Well, listen. He he had a by a rookie standards a legendary performance one week ago today. The game he had against Phoenix, outplaying KD, going 38 and 10, being a monster defensively, made I think all of us stop and be like, "Oh my god. Like, what is this guy not going to be eventually? What is he right now?" Because and Wilds made this point, they played Durant in back-to-back games, and you kind of saw In the first game, he was a little shaky in the first half, and then by the second half had figured some things out. And then when they played him again a couple days later, all of a sudden, he's the best player on the court. And it's like, is he learning in real time, like artificial intelligence and like, you know, all all the, you know, like, oh, okay, so this is how you play Kevin Durant when I get him again. And people were... Really, I mean, Tom Haberstroh, who I have a lot of respect for, was talking about how there was great value on him to be the NBA's MVP this year at like 45 to 1. So we all did get maybe a little ahead of ourselves. We did a game on the show where I put up, jail. would you rather have, not for the future, but for this season? And the names, I Wimby Orr. And we did Jalen Brown. We did uh, Kevin Durant Durant was one of them. The we didn't do Tatum. Uh, I I tried to do guys that I thought. I'm trying to think of. Did you do LeBron or no? We didn't do LeBron. We did Kawhi. Uh, And but it was like that caliber of player. We did. I'm trying to think of everyone that we. Jimmy Butler. You know what I mean? We did like guys in that. 7 to 25 range in the league. And, I mean, Brew took him over KD after that game. It's like, how could you yeah. not? Okay, so he since then, he, he and the Spurs have not been good at all. They haven't won. 
Last night, he came out firing. He didn't hit his early shots. And then he seemed to lose a bit of confidence. But all So here are my big takeaways from watching him on every single possession. He goes seven, eight possession stretches without touching the ball. The Bill Simmons made this point prior to yesterday, and he's a thousand percent right. The Spurs desperately need a point guard. They have Jeremy Sohan, who's a small forward running point for them. No one knows how to get Wimby the basketball, and that's a little frustrating. The other thing that is true is this. He he does, right now, despite his size, he just has no inside offensive game whatsoever other than rim runs and putbacks. Like, you can't give him the ball and just have him go to work. And we know he can't lean on people. But what I found so interesting watching him, at least yesterday, is maybe because he missed those first few shots, He was when he did get the ball on the perimeter, he seemed to like be trying to go by people when it felt like the whole idea of why he's going to be so transcendent is he can just shoot over everyone. And he either was hesitant to last night or it just didn't have it. And I don't want to overreact one night, but what it definitely did do was took him out of the game a bit defensively. He didn't make an impact defensively that one could see in that game. And offensively, he was a negative. Now, you remind yourself, he's 19 years old, and that was his eighth career NBA game. But for people that were arguing, should the Spurs have been a little more aggressive this offseason? I I didn't think they should because you don't want to try to microwave this. But... For his development, them having an actual adult point guard, I think could be incredibly useful. Like a guy like a Mike Conley, or it doesn't have to be a great player, just someone that can come in and orchestrate things. Because, I mean, Doug McDermott's out there running and gunning. Sohan is trying to play out of position. I mean, the Spurs are a bad, bad team. So it, it was fascinating to watch. The most stunning moment of the night, honestly, because when you're watching the game because of like guys at different depths and perspective or whatever, you can tell who the tallest guy is, but it's you don't really have the exact right perspective on it. The most stunning moment was the national anthem. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's because all the guys are lined up next to each other. And Wimby looked make-believe. He looked like how one of like NBA guys look when they go to like see people at a school and they take a picture with the administration. It's like, oh, there's Kevin Durant, and then there's regular people. Modern day but he was standing next to Well, yeah, I mean it's it's really that part was remarkable. He had a really rough game. Uh but listen, I picked Scoot Henderson for rookie of the year, and we haven't talked much about him. And the reason we haven't talked much about him is because he hasn't got it going. Scoot so far this year is, I'll give you his numbers exactly, he's only played five games because he got hurt. He's given you eight points, four and a half assists on 35% from the field and 9% from three. So, it's, listen, tough life for, 
Yeah, t- long, long season, season, tough early on for rookies. There have been some rookies. Derek Lively um, for the Mavs has been really good. There have been some, The obviously the Thunder have two excellent rookies, uh, Case and Wallace, and then Chet, who's like a rookie because he didn't play last year, but was la- the previous year's draft class. Chet's been excellent. Now, mm-hmm. Chet is a guy I was very down on who thus far has been excellent. And so we'll see. All right, next. All right, so it seems like the longer LeBron stays in the league, the more disrespect he gains. Uh, he's getting disrespect from players, uh, panelists, mm-hmm. uh, the refs. Uh, Dylan Brooks held him to 18 points last night, locked him up like he said. Uh, if he uh, if he's still playing at a high level, why is the disrespect only growing from fans? Uh, so, think, uh, and, all right, so let's talk about the refs thing for a moment. The This is not even a controversial opinion. This is backed up by the data. Uh, One of the, I forget which site it was, but actually just compiled the, in the last eight years, you know, the NBA does those last two-minute reports. What player has been disadvantaged? What player has had more calls be wrong calls by the NBA's own reports? No player has had more calls go against them than LeBron James at the end of these games. And even when you do, well, how many did he have go for him? He is more in the negative than any player in the league. I think Embiid is set, it, Embiid's the opposite. Embiid's had more things go his way that the refs then say, hey, he got the r- wrong whistle in his favor. There is a level of, and last year the data backed this up as well, of if you take all the play and people are like, well, it's because LeBron's shooting so many more threes. If you take all the players, the league leaders, and either points at the rim, points in the paint, or shots in the paint, LeBron last year and the year before, and this year it's very early, was the lowest in free throw rate. So you're talking about attacking guys, guys going to the basket. He just hasn't been getting calls. And there is an element of that he has lost, I think, some of the luster of this is the hands-down best player in the game. He needs a beneficial whistle like every best player. Jordan got it. Kobe got it. Yeah, Anyone in the discussion for all-time legend at their apex, Giannis can get it to a degree. He doesn't get that anymore because he's older, but he's still so physically imposing that Guys slap him on the arm you can when he's going up for a layup, and it doesn't seem like it affects him the way it would affect other guys. So that is frustrating, and I think it's incredibly frustrating for LeBron, and the Lakers are right that it's not just like Laker fans being like, oh, the refs are against us. By the data, he has had a very tough whistle for his entire Lakers tenure. That's the first thing. As far as players going at him, it's just, the only player that's really gone at him this year is Dylan Brooks, and guy's a clown. This is a clown. I, I, Dylan Brooks has lost the right to be taken seriously. He lost it in the series against what? What are you wincing about? Tell me. Tell me Wait, why I'm wrong. Isn't, Dylan Brooks isn't having a bad year. I feel like he's having no, a decent year. He I mean, has, he, no, he, no, no. He's actually having an excellent year. But when you, <laughs> Dylan Brooks, when you, when you 
say the things he said in the playoff series against the Lakers and then run from the media and then cry saying, I don't know why everyone is calling me a villain. The media's done this. And then introduce yourself repeatedly as Dylan the villain. And the last time you played LeBron, you got kicked out of the game for punching him in the balls. And then this time you're like, I'm going to lock him up. You're a clown. You're a clown and you don't deserve to be discussed. Like the only reason we talk about Dylan Brooks more than... 150 other guys in the league is because he just talks like he's a star. He's just the obvious manifestation of the evolution, or I should say evolution of Patrick Beverly. Exactly right. (laughs) He's a clown. Um, Now, the media stuff, I don't know. Like, everyone was, it seemed like on a lot of shows, the would LeBron have been the same guy with or without Miami? Did he need Miami? I, everyone was a lot more interested in that discussion than I was. Like, what I do think is it is possible that without Miami, LeBron's career would not have gone this long. I think that if those four years in the apex prime of his career, he didn't have, he didn't go to Miami, learn what he learned from that organization, be around Spolstra, and maybe most importantly, for the only four-year stretch of his entire career, could was he on a team that if he went to the bench, they could survive, and he didn't have to play these crazy minutes, things like that. I don't know if he'd still be at this level in year 21. He was already one of the greatest players ever before he went to Miami. Before he went to Miami, He was a two-time league MVP, four-time All-NBA first team, two-time second team, and had taken a team to the finals at age 22, and had a playoff run where he averaged 35 points a game. Now, he wasn't a champion yet, and if people believe, well, he wouldn't have won any championships if he hadn't gone to Miami, I think that's crazy. Would he have had the same number? I don't know. He won two in those four years, but everything about his career changes after that. Does he go somewhere else? Does he stay in Cleveland? If he stays in Cleveland, they never get Kyrie Irving. They don't get, you know, Kevin Love. It's the whole thing's different. So I don't know. What I do know is there are certain guys across sports history, particularly in the NBA, that were going to be all-time great legends no matter what. LeBron obviously is on that shortest of short lists now. Like, let me, people could say, what would Kareem's career have been if he didn't go to the Lakers? Well, it's, it's an interesting question because Kareem had already won, won one championship and won one finals MVP and won multiple MVPs with the Bucks, But he then won, what, four more MVPs, five more championships, and went to nine more finals with the Lakers. So I don't know what you know, the career would have been. I do know that LeBron's career could not have possibly worked out better. In my opinion, he's the greatest athlete ever. And so every decision along the way, I don't think you could have been like this decision. It would have worked out better for him. I don't think, I don't think there could be a better outcome than the story of you get drafted to your hometown team. You're within a year in the discussion for the best player in the league, take him to the finals, lose to a legend in Tim Duncan, uh, the Boston Celtics, a legendary organization, creates the first modern super team because of you, 
because you're there and they need to get past you, you then can't get past that super team that was created to defeat you. You go to Miami, a team that has a guy, a friend of yours in your draft class, who had already teamed up with a legend in Shaquille O'Neal to win a championship. You guys immediately make the finals, and you have the one and only true failure of your career. It humbles you to a degree. It makes you a better basketball player. And then from that moment on, you reel off the greatest decade of basketball anyone's ever played. In the next 10 years, you you can squint, you can argue, but in the next nine years, I should say, you make the NBA Finals eight times. You have the longest winning streak in the history of the league. You... Uh, or in the second longest swing streak, pardon me, in the history of the league. You are involved in one of the greatest game sixes and game sevens of a finals ever. You then go back home. You have the greatest comeback in finals history, sandwiched around the greatest comeback in finals history. You have the greatest series and a losing effort in finals history, the 36-13-9 with your teammates injured. And then on the back end of it, the single greatest game in finals history, the 51-8-8 in game one against Durant and those guys. The greatest individual playoff run in NBA history, the 2018 playoffs (laughs) where he had eight 40-point games. You then go to the greatest organization in the history of the league that for the first time in its its 70-year career – or, you know, 70-year existence, is in a downswing, hasn't made the playoffs in six years, and within a year you win a title for him. And then in that uniform, you become the NBA's all-time leading scorer, breaking the record of a legend from that organization, and now in year 21, you're still the best player on your team and one of the best players in the league. There is no, it's not like, well, but if he'd have gone to Chicago, what he would have, not that, (laughs) not that. And so, uh... Yeah, I think it worked out pretty well. All right, next. No I guess I was kind of interested over in that here. Story. <laughs> well, it's just listen. It's just an accurate telling of this tale. It's just <laughs> you know, I, I I am if I if nothing else, I am you know an arbiter of truth and fairness, and uh, it's important to be you know have somebody out there that is going to tell the true story. And what's a better story than a guy being immediately great? can't get over the hump, tasting real failure, reaching the absolute pinnacle, going back home, overcoming what was considered an insurmountable deficit, and then saying new challenge, going to the greatest organization ever that was in total shambles and instantly delivering them a championship and now being literally the oldest player in the league and still one of the best players in the league. Never seen anything like it. Next. All right, so the 49ers and Jags are going to face off. Uh, both teams are coming off a bye. The Jaguars are obviously on the five-game winning streak, and the 49ers are on the three-game losing streak. Uh, yeah. So is this the ultimate setup for a uh, Nick was right situation with Purdy facing off versus Trevor Lawrence? I mean, it feels like it, doesn't it? I mean, if after this weekend, and it's the biggest game of the weekend, this weekend's slate is not great at all. Last Mm -hmm. weekend had an amazing slate. This weekend's slate is not a group of great games. It's the the marquee game. And if the Jags get to 7-2, while the Niners fall to 5-4, 
And it's because Trevor cooks and Purdy struggles. And all of a sudden, within a month, the same. You know what's going to be glorious if and when this happens? By the way, it's a tough game. Niners still an excellent team. They're coming off the bye. They should be healthier. Uh, You know, this is a big test for the Jags. No team in the league this year has had a winning streak longer than six games. They're trying to get it to six. Like, they're, yeah, they're trying to, what are they? Yeah, they're trying to get it to six games. That would be right. Um, So, listen, this by no means is this like, oh, a layup win. The Niners are still a really good team. But nothing will be more satisfying for me than if the Jags win, watching the same, my same colleagues, some of which I host a show with, many of which, you know what I mean, are on other networks that I like and respect, having on Monday morning, a month after they were talking on their shows or on our show, is Brock Purdy the NFL's MVP? The topic will be, is Trevor Lawrence the NFL's MVP? And the follow-up question is, could Brock Purdy be benched? I'm letting you know right now, we are one Jags win away from that being a conversation. Now, I also want to make this clear. I do not think Trevor's the NFL MVP. I do think... If they win this game and get to seven and two in a year, there is no standout runaway MVP favorite. It will be a discussion. And I am not saying you should bench Brock Purdy for Sam Darnold, but I am saying if you're the Niners and you've lost four in a row, MVP, by the way, but who is sorry, Lamar Jackson. But I get it, like they do the whole. May, I mean, one, one I before. Lamar. Right now, right now, I think Lamar. If the voting were today, I think Lamar would win it. It would mm. also be an uh, the reason for a quarterback who has nine passing touchdowns through nine games. You can say, "Oh, well, running too." Okay, so fourteen total touchdowns because he has five rushing through nine games. That would be a below average MVP season. Does that make sense? Like if you look at guys who've won MVPs over the last few years, there's not one there's not an Aaron Rodgers with 38 touchdowns, six picks, Mahomes leading the league in points and yards and touchdowns. There isn't one no doubt candidate. You could make a great That's case fair. for Lamar. I'm not That's I'm fair. not arguing against it. I actually we talked around the show because there's no standout candidate, could Joe Burrow get back in the conversation? Even though he was terrible for 5 weeks because he was hurt. The yeah. answer is probably yes. Like Everyone's talked about how bad the Chiefs' offense has been. Mahomes right now is the favorite to win the award because there's no standout. So that's why Trevor, despite his numbers, I think he has eight touchdowns, passing touchdowns this year, maybe nine. Like his passing numbers have not been super gaudy, and he obviously doesn't run as well as Lamar. I I do think with the Ravens, the biggest story of the Ravens' season so far is is and we're I guess we'll get to it in a second, but is their defense more than Lamar as good as Lamar's been? Point I'm making is if the Jags win, first of all, trumpeters live and in person on first things first. Second of all, uh is Trevor Lawrence the NFL MVP will be a talking point? And should the Niners give Sam Darnold a look will be a talking point. By the way, I won't argue for either. 
I don't think Trevor's the MVP, even if they win, not yet. And I don't think that the Niners should go to Darnold, even if Purdy plays terribly. But that will be a talking point from the very same people that were trying to convince me Brock Purdy was the NFL's MVP. Let me ask you one other question before we move on. If Purdy fully falters, and also given what pre you know you know sad he got hurt but what daniel jones was looking like before he got hurt if both of those things happen next football season if we're fortunate enough to still be doing this will you take my quarterback i need to see more i don't quite trust them opinions a little more seriously or will you still just think i'm an unrepentant hater i'm asking you specifically if no, I end say, up being calling very, both of these. Yeah, it'd be, that'd be very fair. I feel like I, I wouldn't call it stupid, but it'd be kind of ignorant to ignore that. But, uh, but yeah, okay. no, I definitely, okay. I might kind of right, take well, like the same stance the where I need more test samples. But, uh, but yeah, there you, you go. Okay. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. I like it. Yeah, all right, go ahead. Um, yeah, so are, does, does it offend you or at all? Or are you like a little hurt that Trevor Lawrence has no idea that like you call him the prince that was promised. Like he kind of like shrugged. I didn't off like that. I got. I listen. I'll be it. honest. I I didn't like any part of it. I listen. The now sh- sh- Sam Pepper used to <laughs> produce. He he used to produce my TV show. He now works for Omaha Productions. And I think he. I don't know, but I think he probably had a hand in that question being asked. Was trying to do me a solid. Every single part. If people didn't see it, Peyton. Re- asks Trevor Lawrence a question and he says Nick Wright from Fox and by the way the way he said it it was not like the next words out of his mouth were going to be like oh I love that guy it was more like who is this like that was from like it was very clear Peyton Peyton Manning Peyton also said when uh, Trevor said that he had no idea about it or does he go by that uh and Trevor said no and Peyton was like good yeah so he was he asked him if uh so Peyton says Nick Wright from Fox Sports, you know, has called you the prince that was promised. It's also your nickname on Pro Football Reference. Has this name caught on in the locker room? Uh and Trevor said no and that he'd never heard it. And Peyton said good and then they laughed. And I will admit at first Amonze that was sad and disappointing. And then I realized he's just a humble prince. Which we need more of. He didn't, you know what I mean. He didn't. He, he was he was humble, and, and didn't want to draw t- more attention to himself. So I understood. All right, next. All right, man. Currently, the entire AFC North holds a playoff spot with the Ravens leading the way. Obviously, uh, predict a team that fits for each of these categories by the season's end. Division winner, strong five seed, fighting for the seven seed, or misses playoffs completely. All right. The the smart, the logical order would be this. The Ravens hold on to win the division. The Bengals are a terrifying five seed. The Browns get the fight for the seven. And the Steelers miss the playoffs completely. That's the logical, smart, if you've been watching them up to this point, order of how it's going to go. I do not think it's going to go that way. I think that 
Something funky is going to happen with either Baltimore or Cincy. I don't know which, but I just, I feel like right now people are getting a little ahead of themselves that Why we do know. Stuff like that, man? You just have a tendency do stuff to like like what? jinx stuff, like speak it into existence. I think something's funky going to happen. Like, come on, dude. Well, I just, I've been doing this too long to not have my antenna go up when everyone in the media this prematurely has the same opinion. And everyone in the media has essentially Halfway through the agreed. season, prematurely. Or you mean just prematurely because exactly. it's not to the postseason yet? Well, it's just a ton of football left. ton yeah. of football left to be played. Half of the season remains. Half. Like, as much has been played, that much is left. And there is, when everyone is in agreement, seemingly, that the AFC North is going to come down to Baltimore and Cincy, and when it's, it's one thing if these two, like, if you were to be like, well, the NFC East is going to come down to Philly and Dallas. It's like, well, the Giants are you know, almost mathematically eliminated already, and Washington's trading away its players, got it. But when the Steelers have underperformed as much as they have on offense and are still 5-3, and three, it makes you pause. When the Browns are getting D-level play from the quarterback position and are still right there, you pause. And when you recognize that the Ravens have been 6-3 and three or better every year Lamar's been a starter, and it has gone sideways on them multiple times. Now people are like, well, that's because of injury. Uh, agreed, but I think th- th- that is just one of the concerns. But the other reason that I'm just pumping the brakes on it a bit is this. Here is the Ravens, and I'll then do the Bengals remaining schedule. And by the way, the same can be said about the Browns and the Steelers uh, to a degree. But here's my question for you, Demonte, because I'm going to read it off to you. I, I see him. The, so I'm going to read it off. And my only question is, how many easy spots do they have? So they are home for the Browns, home for the Bengals, at the Chargers, home for the Rams, at the Jags, at the Niners, home for the Dolphins, home for the Steelers. How many easy spots do you count there? Because I know how many I can. Say like kind of one and a half. Uh, that's char- like okay, Rams. I so- think we'll take care of that. But Chargers, I'm not like I, f- I feel like we'll take care of that. But same time, it could be a little frisky. Exactly. Uh, but right. all the, all yeah, the that is, games, though. That is the exact <laughs> math I did. The Rams are the one game where you're like the the Rams are cooked. They cannot block right. Baltimore. They cannot. And then the Chargers. You want that to be an easy game. But that was at the Chargers, right? And so it's like Baltimore going all the way to the West Coast. Weird spot. The Chargers, you just never know what you're going to get to them on a week-to-week basis. We don't know who the Dolphins are yet. And, I mean, and we're a good team. So it's like when the Dolphins see us, who knows what happens there. And that's correct. And that's in Baltimore, right? So in Baltimore in January or, yeah, into December or January. But you follow me that it's not a... There are no, no like, oh, okay, lock up three wins. All right, now we're going to do Cincinnati. Do the same thing. Tell me the easy games. Home for the Texans. Oh. 
at the Ravens, home for the Steelers, at the Jaguars, home for the Colts, home for the Vikings, at the Steelers, at the Chiefs, home for the Browns. So how many easy games do you count there? Uh, About two and a half, maybe. Uh, with so actually with the tech, I mean, I, with Texans being the half, uh, Vikings and Colts, I've seen them easily getting. Vi- Vikings and uh, Colts are easy. The, are the two games I counted. The Texans spot, it, and we'll get to it yeah, when I we do know. our picks in a minute. You don't know, and when you, when you're the Bengals, and you had basically four consecutive season on the line games, one and three. And you're in Arizona, your season's on the line, even though it's early because you're playing the Cardinals, you're one and three. You get that win. You then two and three, okay, home for the Seahawks, get that win. And then I guess season not on the line anymore, but massive spots at the Niners, home for the Bills. And next week, the division is on the line because you've already lost to Baltimore at the Ravens. The Texans are like, the vintage trap game spot, and Jamar mm-hmm. Chase is banged up, and all of a sudden T. Higgins mispracticed. So I don't consider the Texans right now an easy spot at all. Texans, meanwhile, flying so high off their insane win. So moral of the story is, I think, to use a you know a term from political parlance, I think it's too early to call the AFC. I just think, yeah, and... And here is the other thing that, and I know you don't, you're going to say I shouldn't speak this into existence, and I'm not trying to, but the other thing that would concern me if I were any of these four AFC North teams is having games this many, if you, well, the Bengals in particular, having Ravens, Steelers, Steelers, Browns, four games remaining against divisional rivals all of which that have awesome defenses and want to hit the shit out of you would really give me anxiety about what is e- even if my team can get rolling what shape are we going to be in physically by the time the playoffs start and for if you're the Bengals your final 3 games of the year being at Pittsburgh, at Kansas City, home for the Browns, three of the best defenses in the league, in cold weather, Ugh, it's a tough spot, man. Well, and so if the I Ravens just, take care of the concern. next three games, I feel like if they if they can come out of the next three games two and one, maybe, um, I'd say we're in pretty good shape. And honestly, I think uh, we might I be heard- able to bench Lamar towards the end of the year. Well, probably not if you're trying to get the one seed, but maybe the, you know, I have, I've always thought actually the best thing that for a team pop that, that a team could have going for them if they can't get the one seed is to actually be eliminated from contention for it. So in week 18, what you don't want in week 18, let's say you're the Ravens and you're in this scenario in week 18, if we win and Kansas City loses to the Chargers, we get the one seed. You don't want to be in that scenario. I, I, it's, I understand you're like, oh, well, it could happen. But then you go all out, play all your guys, the Chiefs win anyway, you're in the two. 
You'd almost ra- now what you'd rather is it flatly be if we win, we're the one seed. We don't need anything else. We win, we're the one seed, or have it locked, obviously. But the next yeah. best thing is this: we can't be the one seed. The Chiefs have it locked. We're not getting the buy, and then you give yourself your own buy in Week 18 and rest your guys. Like, who cares if we fall to the three? We just don't. You know what I mean? We want to give right. ourselves a bye week. Uh, and so what you don't want is to think you're playing for something, go all out, and then you know, then not get it and have to play the very and next instead, week. But right. the AFC North point of the story is the AFC North is going to be, I mean, it's the most interesting and tightly contested division, and I don't know what's going to happen there. All right, quick break to our gambling show next. What's right? This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp because your mental well-being matters. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of that. Unlock the power of therapy with BetterHelp and witness the transformative benefits it brings to your life. From gaining valuable insights into your thought patterns to building resilience in the face of challenges. Therapy empowers you to navigate life's twists with confidence. BetterHelp offers a convenient online platform designed to be flexible, fitting seamlessly into your schedule. With a simple questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at no extra cost. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash right to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash right. Your mental health journey begins here. Hey guys, welcome back in. What's right with Nick Wright, episode 192. And the holidays are upon us, and I know everyone will start thinking of what gifts to buy their significant others. I know I have, and I'm excited to share a great holiday gift idea with you. Lightbox. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are grown from 100% renewable wind energy at the Lightbox Lab in Portland, Oregon. Not only that, but they're simply priced. Lightbox's lab-grown diamond jewelry ranges from classic studs to more of-the-moment tennis bracelets, drop earrings, and so much more. I know my wife would like any one of these. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are perfect for family, friends, or even yourself. Make it easy for yourself and get everyone something special with a discount we have for you. Shop now at lightboxjewelry.com and use promo code NICKWRITE for 10% off site-wide. That is lightboxjewelry.com, promo code NICKWRITE for 10% off site-wide. All right, welcome back in. What's right with Nick Wright? Week 10 gambling show. I told you last week, Demonte, I felt good about the picks. We not only had a winning week, but zero bad picks. Let, let me, well, you know, the, the. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but yeah, I mean, the royal we. Kansas City, <laughs> minus a point and a half against Miami. They're up 21-0 at halftime. We're covering the entire game. Tampa Bay, plus three at Houston. I thought that was going to be a disgusting push. Did you see, Demonze, what? So, 
Houston is winning. Baker leads an amazing drive down the field, throws a strike. Tampa is now all of a sudden up four with 45 seconds left. C.J. Stroud then drives Houston down. They score. But Houston, in that game, their kicker had gotten hurt. So they were going for two. They had the backup running back, kicking uh, field goals, the whole thing. Yeah, he hit it. Well, he hit a field goal. But up two with six seconds left, D'Amico Ryans, this is not just because he got me the cover, did the right thing, which was he was nervous to kick an extra point because he has a backup kicker. And he didn't want to go for two because if you, you're you up two, if you turn it over, the other team can return it for two points and it's a tie game. So he did something that has rarely been done in NFL history but is smart, even smarter than kicking the extra point there because it could be blocked and returned. He took a knee on the extra point, so which you never see but was the sharp play And it made my Tampa plus three cover. Now, Atlanta minus four and a half against Minnesota. DeMont, yeah, I think he's been excellent. DeMont's a, you know, tried to talk me out of, he's like, you keep fading these quarterbacks just based on the fact they're quarterbacks, you keep losing. Here's the deal. The quarterback I was fading, Jaron Hall, immediately got injured. And then Josh (laughs) Dobbs comes in and cooks. I wouldn't have laid four and a half points with Taylor Heineke against Josh Dobbs. Josh Dobbs is legit. I was laying four and a half points with Taylor Heineke against Jaron Hall. Jaron Hall got injured. Not fair, but whatever. Dallas plus three against Philly. If Dak doesn't step out, you know, we're covering. They still had a chance to win outright. I don't feel badly about that pick. I feel like taking the points was the right side there. And the Chargers minus three and a half against the Jets. They annihilated them. So that's three and two. So that means, despite the fact that on TV it's been shaky, and despite the fact that we have not, you know, had the monster week yet, Demonze, we're just 21 and 24, which means we are minus 5.4 units on the year. So one perfect week away from being above 500 in the picks and being right at even almost in uh, the, the actual dollars. And this is the exact situation we found ourselves in last year before we got red hot to finish the year. I do believe last year after nine weeks we were 21 and 24. Now we've gotten here this year on a somewhat circuitous path. Last year, I think we had some 0-5s, some 5-0s. This year, it has simply literally been, I believe, 2-3 and three or 3-2 three and two every yeah, single every week. Time. If we go 4-1, and one, we're at 500. If we go 5-0, and oh, we're above 500. Let's get going. What's my first pick of the week? First pick is Jacksonville plus 3 versus San Francisco. All right, so they're both coming off a bye, so that's a wash. San Francisco traveling cross-country for a 1 o'clock start. Tough spot. Brock Purdy has not been a good road quarterback this year. Doug Peterson, 7-1 and one last eight games against the spread as an underdog. Trevor Lawrence, whenever he has extended rest, 3-0 and straight up and against the spread. And I simply think that this Niners defense right now is a touch overrated. Now, and I think that there are right 
right now real cracks in the armor for that Niners offense. Now, obviously, the this is a game where the injury report is going to matter a ton. If you check that 49ers injury report, and this is where doing the picks Thursday morning is tough, but Trent Williams is still not practicing, so that is highly concerning for San Francisco. Now, fortunately for them, uh, Debo Samuel was a full participant, so he will be back. The Jags injury report is pretty damn clean. I think the Jags win the game outright. I certainly like them plus three. The Jags defense has been underrated, and that Niners offense has not been humming. The Jags running game, people are going to talk more about Travis Etienne after this game. I like the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off a bye at home, getting the full three points against San Francisco. Your thoughts, Demonze? I like that one. Um, I honestly oh. do not believe in. I I don't. I, I'm not. Uh, I don't want to say I, I don't believe in Brock Purdy, but I wow. definitely on Trevor Lawrence's side in this. Wow, you've come situation. around. Wow. Um, All right. Yeah. Go I ahead. mean, yeah. I mean, three, 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 uh, three game losing streak coming off a of bye. I mean, uh, but next you've got Cleveland okay. plus six at Baltimore. Okay. So this is not me picking the Browns to win outright. This is me saying the Brown, this is statistically the two best defenses in football and it's a divisional matchup. And I'm getting six points. Now, I know the Ravens, DeMonze, have blown out the Lions and the Seahawks. So here is an important important note on this. Lamar is now, I think, 18-1 and in his career against the NFC, which tells you a few things. Most notably is if you don't face Lamar often or you almost never face him as these NFC teams, you can't you, you can't deal with him. If you see him twice a year, I'm not saying he's easy to deal with, but you at least have some familiarity. You can draw upon game plans that you previously had. Now, Baltimore played Cleveland earlier this year and annihilated them 27-3. But if you remember, that was the game that Deshaun Watson morning of was like, ah, I can't play. Sorry, guys. Mm-hmm. Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Good luck, buddy. So I'm not throwing that one out, but I am putting a little mini asterisk just on how much of a blowout it was. I'm getting six points. Um, Lamar, over the last three years, is 4-14 and 14 against the spread when he's favored by more than three. And he's 3-8 and eight at home against the AFC North against the spread in his career. Uh, and so Cleveland getting a full six points in a game that feels very 20 to 17 ish to me. I'll take Cleveland plus the six. Go ahead. I don't like it. Um, I, I, I'm well, never, I'm never going to do this again. Uh, betting what? straight up line teaser. I'm not betting against the Ravens. I just think that on any given Sunday, they are liable to blow a team the hell out of the water, and I just am that's, not going that's to. That's fair. Yeah. No, no, uh, no. I understand. I just, it's a divisional game, tough opponent, six points is too much. Next. Right. You got Houston plus seven at Cincinnati. All right, I'm getting a full seven. 
Jamar Chase did not practice yesterday, and T. Higgins all of a sudden popped up on the injury report limited. The While the Bengals right now, uh, they need every game, they really must have next week's game against Baltimore. So why does that matter? I think they will be extra cautious to Monze, certainly with Chase, and maybe also with Higgins. Higgins, it's a soft tissue thing. So if they are worried, if we push him to go this week and he can't play against Baltimore, they could be cooked for the division. Jamar Chase hurt his back. I don't expect him to play. You had the massive win against San Francisco, huge win against uh, Buffalo. Next week you have uh, Baltimore. So this is a spot that I think Cincinnati could trip up. It certainly is a spot that they are not going for style points. They are not going to, if they get a lead, they will just try to hold on to it for dear life, get everyone healthy and get to next week. So I'm getting a full seven points with a quarterback that I like a lot. He, he the They've shown you in Houston, the backdoor cover is alive. At, they could be down 13 points. They're going to be, you know, throwing it to try to just y- y- keep in rhythm. And I think Houston could win outright. I definitely think they can at least keep this relatively close. They're healthier. They are, you know, this is a massive spot for them where to, to kind of announce themselves as a real playoff con- t- you know, team playoff for, contention. Who's, who, who's this a bigger game for? It's got to be Cincinnati, right? Well, here's the thing. Yes and no. Yes, in that Cincinnati is, you know, trying to be a Super Bowl contender, so all their games are bigger. No, in this regard. For Houston, you could argue this is one of their biggest games of the year. And for Cincinnati, it's their least big game of the last month or the games moving forward. Because... They have Baltimore. They had, you know what I mean? And so in that regard, this game just means more for Houston. And I'm getting seven points. uh, And so I'm going with Houston. Go ahead. Uh, This one directly contradicts my teaser. I hate it when that happens. but uh, Sorry. Sticking it out. Uh, But yeah, I I, I think it's a good, it's a logical bet. Uh, So next we've got Detroit minus three at the Chargers. All right. This was the one I struggled with the most. But Detroit, coming off a bye, Detroit in a spot where uh, I feel like because they got rolled the way they did by Baltimore, people, you know, kind of were like, oh, okay, that's not a that's not a real, you know, contender team. But as we then saw Baltimore roll Seattle, and maybe Seattle's not a real contender team either. There are some things Baltimore can do that no one else can. The Chargers were a little too happy with themselves with the win over the Jets in a game where, once again, their offense didn't look great. The, the Detroit is off a bye. The Chargers played Monday. I always hate when the NFL does that to teams. Like, it's not only does the other team have an extra week, but the Chargers don't even have the full week. The Lions, aside from that Ravens game, have been a covering machine. And the Chargers are not a trustworthy team, in my opinion. 
And so for all those reasons, do I, I think Detroit's going to win. And I listen, do I love laying the full field goal on the road? I don't, but it's what the line is. I'll take the I'll I'll tepidly take Detroit minus three. Next. Got Dallas minus sixteen and a half versus the Giants. Okay. I understand that in theory laying sixteen and a half points is super square. <laughs> I I I mean this sincerely. Dal if Dallas gets to twenty four, it is impossible they don't cover. If they get to twenty, they might cover. And at seventeen, they could cover. The New York Giants offense with Tommy DeVito playing quarterback, with their offensive line injuries, I I would, and I might make this bet, I bet the Dallas defense outscores the Giants offense. I bet the Dallas defense has more defensive touchdowns than the Giants offense has offensive touchdowns. The Giants are right now, the given the injuries, the worst team in the NFL. And Dallas is what they have shown us this year, whether they're a Super Bowl contender or not, we can argue about, is they annihilate teams. Annihilate them. They beat the Giants 40 to nothing already this year, and that that was with the Giants having Daniel Jones at quarterback. They are now have Tommy DeVito at quarterback with Matt Barkley signed to the team. I think that and Dak owns the, not I think, I know Dak owns the NFC East. The Giants right now are the worst team in the league. It's a big number. I'll lay the big number. This is a Cowboys blowout. This feels like 30-3. to three. Dallas, I'll lay the 16.5. Your thoughts, Demonze? My thoughts is Dallas minus 16.5. Is, is, that's a huge number. Uh, those are, it's those a, are my It thoughts. is a huge it's number. It's a really, it, it, it's a really big I number. I mean, there's and, no doubt about that. I think that little uh, rant that you just went on might have been more disrespectful than any other rant that I've heard you go on. And there was the Tyson. Well, listen, the Giants are the, the Giants they are cover what they are. It's seventeen points, but uh, uh so I, I mean, uh, yeah. they can shut them out. So, all right, so here's yeah. my five picks for the week. We're taking three dogs, two favorites. One of them's a massive favorite. Jags plus three against the Niners. I think they went out right. Cleveland plus six at Baltimore. think they keep it close. Houston plus seven at Cincinnati. Sneaky trap game spot for Cincinnati. Detroit laying three at the Chargers. Don't love it. Dallas minus 16 and a half against the Giants. Love it. There are the five picks for the week. All right, now to Monte's teaser. Uh, so the energy seemed to go down when you were when you were speaking. All right, so first of all, our producers. Yeah, are doing I, it I got wrong the here. Miami one right. The Miami one you got right. It's in red, but it should be in green. Demonze's teaser was Miami plus eight and a half, which covered. See, we can put it on the screen, guys. It's all right. Seattle plus twelve and a half, which I warned him against. I told him the Ravens screwed him before. He didn't care. It didn't cover. And then Cleveland minus a half point against Arizona. That did cover. DeMonze's season record on the year is 1-8. So the bright side is uh, you can still finish above 500. The downside is to finish above 500, you have to go undefeated the rest of the way. So it's unlikely, but it's on the board. What are we doing this week? 
All right, it's time to make a comeback, guys. I've got some... Hey, just look at it as, like, you know how when you learn a new language, like you're learning Spanish, they tell you to behave or act as if you were a baby and you're a sponge and just, like, trying to take it in solely. That's what we're doing on these teasers, guys. I've got new rules and principles that I'm going to abide as the season goes on. And then, hopefully, like, like my dad said, if we have the, the graciousness to be doing this next year, We'll get better but hey this is not me being down on myself this is this is a winning teaser right here this week you got a three team seven and a half point teaser i know you love those half points at plus 105 yeah um we got jacksonville we're teasing them up to uh plus 10 and a half then we got minnesota we're teasing them up to plus 10 we got cincinnati and we're just basically making them a pick em versus the texans um hey man Go ahead. Yeah, the, no, the whole little Texan, the whole, the, the te- no, the Texans talk that you had, I don't want to say it got me down, but Texans plus 14 and a half would be sweet versus the Bengals. But <laughs> I'm very confident that the Bengals are going to win that game. Uh, as far as Minnesota, I've got no worries that they'll go out there and be within 10 points of the New Orleans Saints. And then Jacksonville, like I said, I just trust Trevor Lawrence a little bit more than I trust Brock Purdy. They're on the winning streak. Brock Purdy's on the losing streak. They're both coming off a bye. Uh, what do you want to say? I feel like you got something to say about Cincinnati. I the 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 Vikings one worries me a bit. I Vikings, stayed okay. away from that game. I just I just wonder if there's a bit of an emotional letdown there. Still playing a quarterback that just got in the building. Saints been playing well. It's not terrible. You obviously know where I stand on not only teasing across the zero, but the Texans Bengals game in general. I don't I, 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 I don't love it. I'm not gonna lie to you there. If if I were to construct a teaser for the weekend, I am oh I am I'm trying to this is not a great teaser weekend. I'm not gonna lie to you on that front either. All right, wait, hold on. I'm hijacking so, the teaser boat. Hey take Cincinnati out plus one we're doing Texans plus 14 and a half. There. Wait, you're, I, wait, I'm, so you're I'm, just I'm, keeping the same game and switching it? A thousand percent. What's the problem? Okay, I'm with you. You know what? Good for you, pal. This is how you turn it around. I thought you were going to be like put in the Cowboys to minus nine or something. Um, <laughs> no. You, the, oh, that's not a bad one, by the way. Texas the plus Cowboys 14 and a half. The Cowboys down to minus nine. And I'm saying, but the oh, Cowboys oh. down to minus nine is not a bad one. No, hundred percent. No, as you were saying that they could, the the whole rant that you went on made me think about putting the Cowboys. But I mean, no, I'm I'm not going to cower away from the game entirely. I, I want to keep the Texans in there. Um, I was thinking of it. Okay, all right. So we got Jags plus ten and a half, Minnesota plus ten and a half, Houston plus fourteen and a half. This is how you turn it around. What's the offer this week, Demonze? The offer this week is called Nick was right. Uh, Purdy under one and a half touchdowns, under two hundred and thirty nine and a half yards. And the Prince over one and a half touchdowns, over two hundred and forty-one and a half yards. Odds are plus eleven hundred. I you want that? So you don't want that because of the San Francisco defense, and we're not sure. No, 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 no. I I'm I'm a little worried. If the Jags are winning the game, it's always if you think the Jags can win the game outright, you're a little nervous of the under passing yardage numbers for the opposing right. quarterback. Uh Here's the deal. I'm going to decline that offer, but I am going to create a nice same-game parlay for this exact game that I'll tweet out. 
All right, we've got, we'll answer your chat questions quickly. Take a quick break. Come back. What's right? Are you ready to take control of your health and conquer your weight loss goals? Look no further than Factor, your ultimate solution to better eating. Each Factor meal is always fresh, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. No more waiting around or spending hours in the kitchen. Just heat and eat. It's that simple. Over 35 different options to choose from each week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor ensures you'll never get bored. With more than 60 add-ons to help you stay full and feeling good all day long. Pancakes, smoothies, and more. With Factor, there's no prepping, no cooking, and certainly no cleanup needed. The best part? You can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Sign up and save because we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Eat better, feel better, and conquer your day with Factor. So what are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash nickwright50 and use code nickwright50 to get 50% off. That's code nickwright50 at factormeals.com slash nickwright50 to get 50% off. Fuel up. Eat better and achieve greatness. Get started today. All right, quickly, let's do the questions because I got to get to work. Demonze, what's the first one? First question is uh, from Dusty. Demonze, are you going to play the new Call of Duty with me again on the new one? We can get in by joining New Zealand lobbies right now. Um, Dusty, I get paid this Friday or tomorrow, so <laughs> won't be playing tonight, but we might be able to get on tomorrow after I get uh, downloaded. <laughs> okay all right next uh next one jack fisher asks why do you think the eagles don't use the push the push push for two-point conversions seems like they could get it almost every time that's disgusting oh so you're coming around on me on this with me on this no i've never said that the play looks good but like if it can't be stopped i mean but doing it for two-point conversions I, i honestly think the eagles smartly understand we've got to be careful with how we utilize this (laughs) if we don't want it to get banned. And I thought there, when they were doing it, they did it on first and 10 when they were backed up on their own one. And I was like, oh, they always (laughs) could do this. You know what I mean? Like, but it was a big spot and a big game. So I, listen, I would not rule it out of the realm of possibilities that they do something like that in the playoffs. They're saving it for the playoffs and be like, stop it. What are you going to do? I think that's on the board. I absolutely think it's on the board. Next. All right. I don't, uh, have, Axio- the don't, I don't, I don't have takes uh, uh, on the NBA in-season tournament. Go ahead. Axial, we still love you. Brian Reyes said, See, if C.J. Stroud continues to play at this high level for the rest of the season, do you think he has a chance at MVP? We'll see. If the Texans make the playoffs, I mean, the guy's got, what, 14 touchdowns, one pick. If they make the playoffs and his numbers are amazing, it's on the board. Like, this is a weird MVP year. I made a case yesterday on TV that Miles Garrett should be getting consideration. The Browns have the best defense in the league. He's been awesome every single week. Like, yeah, so what are you going to do? All right, there was the show. 
Uh, the, oh, do you want to do the last question? I didn't know if you had. I mean, you kind of brought me to the last question perfectly. I, the Texans are my yeah. underdog. Uh, my underdog playoff. Playoff. Uh, that would be yeah. so much fun. It would also mean a team with very high expectations in the AFC gets left out. That would be really yes. fun and really interesting. All right, I'll see you guys on TV today at 3. See you guys for the pod on Tuesday around 10.30. What's right?